0: In chapter 1 of the Tanya, until I keep, whenever I speak about chapter 1, I refer to the fact that uh, it introduces two souls, and that's a big uh, novelty of Hasidus, that we don't just have a good inclination and an evil inclination, but we have two drives within us. But the truth is that's not all that's discussed in chapter 1, there's a lot in chapter 1. And here in chapter 10, today we're learning chapter 10, he goes back and describes a lot of what was of what was touched upon in chapter 1, now he explains it. And that's why actually I left it at the beginning, because we're, we're keeping things simple. So today we actually we will learn a little bit of chapter 1 and a little bit of chapter 10. In addition to chapter 1 speaking about the two souls, the godly soul and the, and the animal soul, it describes three or five different categories of people. In Hebrew, you have a Hebrew word called Sibur. Sibur means the congregation. But Sibur makes up three words, a tzaddik, a bainani, and a rasha. The tzaddik is like the saint, the bainani is the in-betweener, and the rasha is the bad one. These are three general categories of people. And the Tanya actually breaks it into five levels based on the Gemara and the Talmud. It describes two types of tzaddiks, the incomplete tzaddik and the complete tzaddik. Two types of Rashaim, the complete Rasha and the incomplete Rasha, and, and the Benedi that's in between. Now, how do we understand these different categories? So, classically, a Sadik is somebody who is predominantly good, a Rasha is somebody who is predominantly bad, and a Benedi is somewhere in between, he's borderline. This is the way the Rambam describes it. The Rambam describes how a person should always view himself on a scale of exactly 50-50 and one uh, mitzvah can tip it in a positive direction, one sin can tip it in a negative direction. The Rambam is saying it in the context of reward and punishment that a person is judged overall for all of their actions and they we don't know which mitzvahs are more valuable and we don't know which sins are more detrimental and so we actually don't know which side of the scale we at. We don't know if perhaps our sins are right now tipping a little bit or our mitzvahs are tipping a little bit. And with every mitzvah that we do, we could tip the scale in a positive direction. This is the Rambam's description of a tzaddik, a rasha, and a benedee. Predominantly good, predominantly bad, or 50-50. And again, when we say predominantly It's not something that we actually can know definitively since we don't know the weight of every mitzvah and every sin. But that's the general idea. Comes the Tanya. And the Tanya says that the Rabbam was using borrowed terms. Which means when the Rabbam spoke about a tzaddik, he wasn't speaking about a true tzaddik. He wasn't speaking about a real rasha and he wasn't speaking about a real benedict. He was talking in the consequential context, meaning what the consequence will be, what the reward or punishment will be. It's in that context that the rabbi was speaking. The Rabbim is a book of Jewish law. When you look at things from a legal perspective, then there are consequences. And and how do you assess the situation? Where do you find it at? From a legal, consequential perspective. And so the rabbi was saying that um, the Rabbah was a book of law and the Rabbah said that um, if you're going to judge the person right now what will your judgment be? Will he be innocent or will he be guilty or somewhere in between? And for that he says as long as the person has more mitzvahs than sins again we don't know the value of each particular mitzvah whether, whether it's quantitatively or qualitatively but as long as a person has more mitzvahs than sins then they are a tzaddik as long as they have more sins than mitzvahs, they are a rasha. And if they're somewhere in between, so uh, they could tip the scale, especially when we're coming up to Rosh Hashanah, it's a time that uh, this is discussed a lot. But it's not a, tr- a true tzaddik. It's not a, tr- a true rasha, not, tr- not a true benedee. Why not? Let's look at these words and see what they really mean. Tzaddik means right or righteous. Righteous means that you're doing... The right thing, so if a person does a lot of good and he does a little bit of bad, you can't call him a tzaddik. You can't call him righteous truthfully. He has a lot of righteousness to him, but you can't say he is entirely righteous because he's not. The Tanya takes it a step further. The Tanya says. The moment a person does one sin, then the Talmud refers to them as a Russia. They're in the wrong. It doesn't make a difference what it is, whether it's a biblical sin or even if it's a rabbinic sin, something that was instituted by the sages, one of the six hundred and thirty mitzvahs are to listen to the words of the sages and so we don't listen to the words of the sages. It could be what seems to be so minute to law that if we violate it, then at that moment we're in the wrong. We're a Russia. This is the Tanya's true definition of tzaddik in Russia. And the Tanya says, based on this we can understand what it says elsewhere in the Talmud, that there are very few tzaddikim in the world. There are very few people that are entirely righteous, that only have goods to them. So when the Rambam said that you're a tzaddik, if you do more bits than sins, he wasn't saying you're really a tzaddik. He was talking about your innocence in, 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 as far as how you'll be judged. But that doesn't mean that you've only got good, good to you. To demonstrate this, the Natanya brought an episode uh, 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 where one of the great sages, Rabba, said that I'm a Benedi. I'm a Dimitwina. And Abaya said to him, what are you talking about? You're an Dimitwina? You're like such a great sage and we know that Rabbi he never stopped learning for a second until even the angel of death was unable to take his life from him because as long as a person is um, holding on to Torah which is life they can't be affected by death and literally every second he was learning he didn't have a moment of, of, of a pause in his life. So how could he have said such a high level person like Rabbi how could he have said that he's just a benedity, he's just an in-betweener. And certainly he wasn't just trying to be humble because that's another whole class. We'll get there, please God. That humility is not just um, to pretend when you know it's not. It's not just to make as if. So he wouldn't call himself a bainity if there was there was nothing about him that was a The Tanya says that, however, the moment a person does any sin, they're already considered a Russia. There's something bad about them. So then what is a benedity? This whole discussion introduces the deeper look of Chassidus. That we can't just look at how a person acts, but we need to look at what's going on inside of them. And so we said that the difference between a tzaddik and a is beneath the surface. The benedit also doesn't sin. For all practical purposes, if you saw a benedit in the street, you would think he's a tzaddik. And the truth is, you wouldn't know whether a person is a benedit or a tzaddik, because the moment a person sins, they're a rasher. So a does not do anything wrong. So why is he not a tzaddik? He's not doing anything wrong, but it doesn't mean he doesn't want to do something wrong. And that's the difference between a tzaddik and a benedict. The tzaddik is entirely righteous, which means that every fiber of his being is only directed towards Righteousness. The Benedi has inner conflict, but he's able to prevail in the way that he acts. So to the outsider, they look the same because they're both doing the right thing. But to the insider, the person that's looking for inner transformation, he sees that could be worlds apart. We're going to learn soon exactly what the Benedi is. Right now we're still in chapter 10 this is the plan. Chapter 10 speaks about the tzaddik, chapter 11 speaks about the rasha, and chapter 12 through 14 and onwards speaks about the benedi. And one of the names of the, is the book for, is the book for benedim, because we won't necessarily achieve to be a tzaddik, but we certainly can strive to be a benedi. Um So we'll learn exactly why a benedi is called a benedi. It's He's in between, he actually is between the world of the rasha and the tzaddik, because he has on one side, in one, on, there's a part of him that really is pulling him in a negative direction. But then the way he acts is like the tzaddik. He's actually, he is in between. He's in between these two worlds, between a world of righteousness and a world of, 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 uh, of temptation or of evil. Can we say that, in a way, the thing I is on a, a higher level, almost more preferred because there's a conflict choices at the end are still right, is there something that he has over and above the for that reason? That's a great question. The question is, um, if the tzaddik if the is dealing with heavy conflict and he's uh, actually winning the conflict, then that sounds like he's achieving a lot more than the tzaddik. There was a rabbi that was recently here from Texas, and he described how a particular company, they would only hire people that had in the past failed yeah. terribly, because if they failed terribly, then it meant that through their failings, they gained additional insights, and they were much more qualified for the job, as opposed to somebody who had um, succeeded in everything that he did. So are we saying it's good to fail? Not at all. But is it good to have failed? Absolutely. So it's hard to give a definitive answer to that. I could say with confidence that yes. The the, the, the Benedi is on a much higher level than the tzaddik. In a certain context. Because of the battles that he fights. And because of what he achieves. But we're not looking to fail. So to not that the Bainley fails, we're not looking for conflict. When we do engage in conflict, and we are victorious, and that's extremely powerful. But we're not, but we want to, like we spoke last week of the, uh, the solution that NASA came up with, that's because they had the issue that they needed to reach bar and they needed a lot of petrol. But to have petrol, you need to have a, Container. If you have a container, then you're heavier. If you're heavier, you need more petrol. Mm-hmm. Until NASA came up with a solution that what they need the most petrol for is to launch. And subsequently, they don't need as much petrol. So what they actually do is they drop the gas container, the first container that had the initial gas, they drop it once they've used it. And they never brought this as an analogy that we, we, have, a, we have struggles, where we want to, at a certain point, drop certain struggles and move on to other struggles. Mm -hmm. We want to be able to drop certain containers. So, yes, the Benedi is greater than the Tzaddik in his courage and, and the battles that he fights, but we're looking to achieve to go beyond them. We're looking to win some battles and we're not just eternally stuck in the same place. The benedit may be eternally stuck in the same place, and, and, and that can make a person despondent. And when we learn more about the benedit, we'll see how he shouldn't be despondent because he has an incredible role to play. But today we're learning chapter 10, which means we're learning about the tzaddik. And so we're going to speak about the virtues of the tzaddik. Are the tzaddik's alive today. Great question. So before I answer that question, let's first get a more of a thorough understanding of what exactly the tzaddik is. And why are we learning about that if we can really never achieve that level? Great question. So, I, we've gone back to Chapter 1 and now to Chapter 10. What happened with the uh, eight chapters in between? What well, was from Chapter 2 ch- Chapter 9 or to Chapter 8? We learned about the two souls. We learnt about the godly soul and we learned about the animal soul. And what did we learn? Hopefully you could tell me a little bit. But we learned that we're not just talking about two voices. We're talking about two personalities. Two very sophisticated drives that exist within us. We spoke about how each the godly soul and the animal soul can gain control over our mind, over our heart, over our thoughts, our speech, our action. We're complex. There's a lot to us. Now we utilize these tools, now that we understand that it's not just about what you do, but it's a matter of all of your consciousness, so we use this vocabulary to understand what it means to be a tzaddik. A tzaddik is somebody that not only does the right thing, but it means that in his mind, he only um, has good ideas in his mind, not just what he's actively thinking about, but actually what he's mind is involved in overall and in his heart he only has good feelings parenthetically um, in uh, modern times you would say a good feeling is love and a bad feeling is hate But the truth is that's not the tanya's definition the tanya says that um, the definition of a good or bad feeling is not love or or hate. It's what that feeling is directing the person towards. Mm. (coughs) And that said, or what it's directing the person away from, which means that actually love and hate can equally be good or bad, believe it or not. So although we want to teach our children to always love and never hate, it really depends what we're speaking about. When we're speaking about that which is good, We've got to love it, and we certainly shouldn't hate it. But when we're speaking about something that's bad, we should not love it, and we actually should hate it. I know hate sounds very uh, unpopular, but hate means that you really are turned off by it, you're despised by it, you you have a a disinterest. It's not just a uh, mechanical choice, it means you have an inner, uh, it's repugnant, to you. That's really what hatred means. And so while the more liberal approach is just love and be happy and there should never be hate, it's not true. It, we need to have a value system of what's right and what's wrong, and we need to develop a liking and a love and an attachment and excitement to that which is good, and we need to develop a disgust, a complete repugnance from that which is bad. Now when we speak about people, then uh, we want to find the good in everybody. And that's why when we speak about people, we speak more about love than hate. Because we're talking about loving the person's good qualities and not focusing on their negative qualities. Therefore, in the context of relationships between people, generally it is more about love than hate. But if we look on a more global level in our inner um, struggle in our inner battle. Last week we spoke about the battle of the souls and the battlefield between the two souls. Each soul wanting to get control over our lives. And we speak about the battlefield. So we need to realize that there are good elements in our life and bad elements. And that which is essentially bad, we want to de- develop a disliking for, a hate for. And that which is essentially good, we want to develop a tremendous love for. And I've used the word essentially good or essentially bad because sometimes even bad things can still have some positive elements, just like we spoke about people. But there still needs to be that moral compass, that awareness of, is this something that's revealing Hashem in this world? Is it bringing Hashem into this world? Is it connecting me with Hashem? Is it helping me achieve what I'm doing in this world? Hashem has gifted me with another day where my soul has come back down into this world in order to achieve something. Is this particular activity something that's helping me achieve that? Or is this activity something that's causing... The opposite. Is it causing God to become more hidden? Is it causing bad to be able to feel more independent of God? And, and so we need to have that moral compass of, of, of good versus bad and develop a, a, a liking towards good and a disgust towards bad. That said, the tzaddik is somebody that loves everything that is good and hates everything that is bad. Not everybody, exotic. but I guess, everything. Do you think a tzaddik even has that word? Hate. Yeah. I said it's very unpopular. But, but I can't but imagine a tzaddik even knows to hate. He's repulsed by things that are not any good, I guess. so then... But I don't even know if the, For me, a tzaddik is not even like on earth. It's like a, always it's more spiritual, more refreshing. Uh, That's my. I think you're talking about an angel. <laughs> that's what an angel is an angel is, is somebody that doesn't come into this world but, no, but an angel is not in this world but a tzaddik is in this world but a tzaddik's mind is always above if that's my understanding of a tzaddik a tzaddik is somebody who is entirely righteous which means everything about him is about good and God yeah. which means that something that gets in the way of that, something that hides God, or something that brings about bad, is something that he, 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 he has, has no emotional, he, has, he, he wants not to exist. Let's rewind this then. Okay? When we spoke in chapter 7 about the two types of bad, bottom of chapter 6, beginning of chapter 7, we said God created two types of bad in this world. Some bad can be transformed into good, and some bad is essentially bad. The bad that should be transformed into good, we've got to transform. It's clippus Naga. It's a shell, but it's a shell that we can, it hides God, but we can reveal Him. And then we have the three impure clippers, which is completely red taped, where we're not able to reveal the divinity that exists within it. So then we ask the question, so why did God create it? And the answer was, God created it for us to negate it. And when we negate it, then it achieves its purpose. And the analogy that the Tanya gave At the end of chapter 9, the last chapter was actually of the king that hired a prostitute to test his uh, prince. And by the prince negating the prostitute, the prostitute is happy that she has achieved her mission in bringing out the, uh, the prince's strength, inner strength. So that means that in the world of the angel, there is only God. And there is only good. But in this physical world, Hashem created a world that's mixed with good and bad. And so if the tzaddik is not just a soul, it's a soul in body, it means that he recognizes that bad which needs to be negated. And he he entirely negates it, not only in action, but with all of his feelings. And that's what hate is. Hate is a complete uh, negation, an emotional negation of something, an utter negation of something. So we, w- we want to teach our kids to love and not to hate, especially since our children are more about relationships than just understanding right versus wrong. But having this honest, open discussion here in the Tanya, the, the, the Tzaddik, it says so clearly in the Tanya, that the Tzaddik is somebody that hates evil. Do mm-hmm. you have a negative connotation for hate? I think because it's but inherently it's not something that's bad. It's just that it's something that we should be repulsed by and there are some things that we need to be repulsed by. I think we see hate as an action word in you know, a because hate drives you to take action in a very negative way. It's not a passive emotion. Whereas a tzaddik, you'd imagine not to be riled up in any negative way about something, mm. so they'd be, they almost, from what I can understand you're describing, the Tzaddik would almost just be completely shut off to that, won't engage in that, whereas hate seems like mm. an engagement mm. with yeah. it. It's a, it's a form of a relationship. Yeah. But, but, but I'll argue and I'll say that Tzaddik doing what he needs to do in this world will engage with everything in the correct way if it's something that it needs to be eliminated it'll go full force on it again distinguishing between people and and, and character we're not talking about god forbid looking to eliminate people because people have a, rede- a redemptive factor they have good within them but if there's something that's negative then i'll find it i mean just just to use a, a an analogy uh, or an example i should say um there was a big debate, and there is still today a big debate in Israel for the last 20, 30, 40 years on defining a Jew. Practically speaking, if you want to go on Aliyah, that's a right of return for all Jews, who um, qualifies as a Jew? This has been the big debate. Um, and the, the state of Israel actually acknowledges somebody who either of their parents are Jewish. But this was up for, till today it's, it's debated, in recent months, there was a heavy heavy discussion on it again in the Knesset. The question of who is a Jew. When this topic came up at Hasidic Fabregas, the Rebbe would be so emotionally charged, he would be like screaming and shouting and, 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 and persistent. It was the opposite of the Rebbe that we know. We know the Rebbe as being so embracing and so loving and so pleasant and calm and and just bringing so much, such a positive aura, such a beautiful space. But here the Rebbe felt very strongly that this is an issue that is really, um, can seriously endanger the Jewish people. Mm. And so then, it was a different rapper. It was a rapper that was Filled with such strong Passion. passionate um waging a war against it. The mm-hmm. rapper was fighting it. The rapper was completely Incomplacent. he was literally screaming and shouting and needs to stop but we need to get rid of this and and anybody who was in the room was like traumatized mm-hmm. because the rapper is not just an angel the rapper was was solid body which meant that. That if it's something that's negative, then we need to get get rid of it. So maybe I'll just leave. I've tried to answer the question as best as I can. I think it's a very it is a very different perspective. Um, hopefully, clarifying to keep or being clear of the difference between people and concept. But um, now let's turn it around because that's not what the tzaddik is all about. The tzaddik is not about hate. Chas it just means that he loves that which Hashem loves and he hates that which Hashem hates really by the way i could just bring a few analogies and suddenly it'll make a lot of sense when you talk about um, i don't know the made or the, i should i don't need to mention names the recent scenario of the uh um, hollywood or producer that was discovered to uh what was it called me too it was discovered to uh, act have uh, acted im uh, terribly uh, uh, immorally and 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 we do need that when we look at those things we if somebody says Look you know he did the wrong thing but no reason to get like emotionally charged or excited about it like whatever like you know it's it's, it's okay like it's he's a good no it's in other words we all have areas in our life where something is simply intolerable and Another example, uh, child abuse, right? The moment you hear somebody um, excusing the child abuser, you start to worry, like, you know, like, what's... Is this, is, 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 you know, everybody, um, every person should be represented in court and, 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 and there's a place for a prosecutor and defendant in every scenario. But, but um, as people, we naturally start questioning because something seems awfully wrong the moment that somebody is not completely uh, repulsive feels repulsive towards somebody that is involved in such disgusting activity. Okay, let's move on from the topic of hate. But these are all examples of appropriate hate. But that's not what the tzaddik is all about. What is the tzaddik all about? The Tzaddik is about where every fibre of his being is directed to, to, towards doing the right thing. And therefore, as an appropriate question, do, does such a person actually exist in this world? We need to be reminded of what it says at the beginning of the Tanya, the very first line of the Tanya, says that before a soul comes down into this world, it's asked to take an oath to be a tzaddik and not to be a rasher. It doesn't just say a person is asked not to be a rasher, it's asked to be a tzaddik. Ghusidus and the Tanya very much believes that we do need to strive to be a tzaddik. And so back to the question of, yes, the person that has that inner conflict has something that even the tzaddik doesn't have. But we do need to strive for complete inner transformation. And we may never achieve it. Which is why it's a, there's two halves to the oath. The first half of the oath is be a tzaddik. And the second is don't be a Russian. Because we may not achieve to be a tzaddik. But we've got to strive towards it. So we do need to strive towards complete inner transformation. And that's why the Tanya has a whole chapter dedicated towards the tzaddik. The book for the Benedi has a full chapter about the tzaddik. Because while the book, at all in all, is speaking to how we could be a Baedani, it still is saying that for that person that's striving to be a Baedani, we need to also strive to be a Tzaddik. The Tanya describes two types of Tzaddikim the complete Tzaddik and the incomplete Tzaddik. And when I was preparing, I was thinking, you know, why does the Tanya need to go into these two different types of Tzaddikim? Just keep it simple. Let's speak about the Tzaddik. Why was I thinking that? Because my experience with teaching Tanya is that people think of the incomplete Sadik, as sometimes even what in truth is a rasha or a benedi. You would think that the incomplete Sadik is somebody that still has somewhat of a desire for bad. No, Tanya says that even the incomplete Sadik has no desire for evil in any of his consciousness. Every, to the core of his being, Everything that he wants is only to do the right thing. And not just wants. In his feelings, he only is passionate about God. So then what, why is he incomplete, sadiq? So Tanya says like this. Back to what we discussed before. if he hasn't completely transformed the animal within him, meaning, and then I was listening to a class by Rabbi Jacobson and and, and he explained it in a very beautiful way. Let's talk about the animal soul. The animal soul does not have transcend transcendental vision meaning that the animal soul is not able to see things on what god wants the animal is just able to see planet earth it's able to see the food in front of him our animal within us is that drive for just um, uh, for what what is the drive of the animal energy. energy i like that in other words the animal doesn't want to do bad The animal just wants to have a good time. However, the animal lacks the ability to see God. And therefore, if we don't direct the animal, then the animal will direct us towards a selfish, materialistic um, direction. And the more we listen to the animal within us, the, the deeper we could dig ourselves, which means that as the animal is just looking to have a good time, since it doesn't have a perception of godliness, it's going to find whatever avenues it can find to have a good time, and eventually it could be bad avenues. And As it, as it causes us to become more materialistic and more um, submerged into the material, then we lose our spiritual consciousness until we can actually come to sin. So there's a distinction between The core of the animal and the the way it acts out. At the core, the animal just wants its energy. It's not bad. But if that energy is not directed towards a higher purpose, it will lead a person in a negative direction. Rabbi Jacobson gave the analogy of the teenager versus the, the old man. The old man he has his schedule he and he said actually really it could be that's it's the reverse we're just using this as an analogy the teenager has a lot to learn from the old man but we're going to just bring out a point of here the old man is somebody who is has experience he's organized he gets up at whatever time he gets up sorry if some of you are feeling old and goes to sleep never later than whatever time it is at a certain time he shuts down And and he's reliable he he got he gets through his day and he does what he needs to do as opposed to the teenager You know if he wakes up before I don't know what time two in the afternoon on a Sunday, then it's a reason to celebrate Um, This is all over the place. he's, He's not reliable and he's just not performing Yet The teenager has a tremendous energy Teenagers like turn the world over So what's going on? He's got this tremendous energy But it could sometimes just be directed into silly spaces So you the old man shouldn't say to the teenager, you know stop with all your mishagasim and all your Craziness and just start doing what you need to do wake up in the morning go to sleep at night perform Because what you're doing is you're actually killing the energy He's got tremendous energy, the teenager. But he doesn't have that vision of the old man. But if you could take that energy of the teenager and direct it towards good stuff, he'll fly. He'll turn over the world. It, 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 it's, it's like fire. That was an analogy that the never once gave the teenager. Fire, it's, fire can c- cook up a storm or it could just cause damage. So back to where we started. The animal within us is like the teenager. The animal is excited and naturally he could slip towards being excited about silly things. But the Tzaddik is somebody who's completely transformed himself to the point that all of the excitement of the animal is also now pulling him towards making uh, to transforming the world into good. Back to the question, do such people actually exist? As a chassid, this is what makes a Rebbe different from any other Torah sage. You could have a Torah sage that is well-versed in all of the Talmud and and. and, and, and Exceptional of, uh, in his ability of, of of knowledge and directing the people, but it doesn't mean that he does not have inner conflict. It could be that Tara Sage still has a desire to do the wrong thing, and he is still at most a vanity. Like why is a Rebbe different? You know, like, wh- wh- why do we kind of put our Rebbes on a pedestal? It's because a Rebbe is somebody that has achieved... That every fiber of his being, that every drive within him is all just to make the world godly and good. And we connect to a Rebbe, what do not mean we connect to God? But the Rebbe is a person in this world that we connect to to help us direct all the fiber of our emotions and all of our energy to also just be directed towards Hashem. Or like we mentioned before, the Rebbe helps us reveal our Shaba the Neshama is that which is completely pure. So in summary, we've learned chapter 10. We've learned about the tzaddik, something that we could strive for. The tzaddik is somebody who uh, has eradicated evil from within him and has directed both his godly and animal soul to, to, to propel him and push him towards, uh, with excitement and, and dedication towards Hashem. Next week, please, God, we'll learn about the Russia. And this is all to lead up to um, uh, learning about the Benedi. But again, we're supposed to learn from every chapter. And so although we may not be able to achieve it on a grand scale in some little area in our life, we can take an area that until that was a battle and say that this particular um, uh, gas kind of stuff I'm going to drop and I'm going to, now, see how in some area I could actually despise evil, whatever evil it would be, something that until now maybe I was more tolerant of. Now I'm less tolerant of, again, it doesn't sound liberally popular to be intolerant, but it's of evil. And to have more of a love and excitement towards something good and to find a little tzaddik moment in our life if we're not at tzaddik at all times. Thanks for joining. Thank you much.